Hey guys, welcome to episode 19 of Biomast. Uh, really appreciate being back tonight. And we've got our usual suspects on with uh, Pokey and Sarai and the gang. A couple uh, return guests. Uh, we've got a pretty interesting show tonight. We'll probably talk a little bit about some of the hot fix Delta stuff. I got, I got a pretty good story. I got to tell you guys about that. Uh, interesting thing about listening to podcasts while you're working out. It's it, We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, some neat changes over the last week. Uh, looks like BPOs are a thing now, and there's a lot of discussion uh, about that hitting the forums again. Uh, and we'll let uh, Pokey, Soraya, and Iron Wolf kind of chime in on, on where they're seeing that's coming from. Uh, and, and there's just a variety of small little things out there that I think they're cleaning up with Delta in terms of swarm and dropship balance and changes. Uh, and, and again, looks like some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, as I was reading through, you also got the, one of the surprises for me was going to be uh, – kind of the rifle optimization, like another round of that. Uh, always welcome, but usually, a little, you know, if not contentious, def definitely hotly, but hotly debated. And I'm pretty sure that the gang, uh, in terms of Iron Wolf and Zell, have a couple things to put out, uh, reference CPM1 activities, and some interesting discussion about uh, perhaps what what they see and what CCP sees versus maybe the perceptions of the, uh, of the community at large about certain things going on in Dust. So should be a pretty pretty interesting show, and we're going to kick it off with uh, intros. So with that, we'll start off with uh, Ghost Kaiser, one of our returning guests. Hey, thank you for having me back here yet again. Uh, this is Ghost Kaiser. I'm a director in Fatal Absolution. I do a lot of PC, and it's great to be back here again. Thanks, guys. Awesome, man. Thanks. I was really glad meeting meeting you. I was, I was wishing Lethar would be on tonight. It'd be uh, be a pretty good discussion with you guys. Um, and Iron Wolf. And Iron Wolf has gone into radio listening silence. Uh, Pokey? I'm Pokey Draven, uh, CEO of OSG Planetary Operations and co-host here on Biomast. Zell? Uh, Soraya Zell, a CPM1 member, a co-host here on Biomast, and a leader of the Top Men Alliance. Awesome. And Iron Wolf? Uh, this is Iron Wolf Saber. I'm CPM1 council member. Nice to be on here. Great. And I'm Jason Larison. I'm a uh, member of OSG Planetary Operations and uh, almost done looking for Corp and Eve. I, I think I've got a line on something. Uh, and I'm also one of the uh, co-hosts here on Biomass. So guys, I, I think we can probably just dive in uh, with a couple quick things. So uh, I've been out for uh, almost three weeks now uh, in terms of what's been going on in game in a variety of different ways. And uh, I was able to listen to the podcast for the last couple of weeks, uh, which by the way is, is a wonderful thing. I was, I was in, a, in a foreign country uh, doing a variety of different things uh, for work. But I was able to to like pull enough satellite internet that I could actually download the podcast. And I got to say, you had some really really nice technical discussions, uh, particularly about Hotfix Delta. Um, I, and I, I've got to I, I've got to lead off with a quick um, recap of a story. And this is why I wish Lethar was here. So, uh, as all good stories go in my line of work, no shit, there I was. Um, we're uh, we're we're in another country uh, in the in the in the Pacific area and uh, some guys that I'm traveling with from work, we're, we're basically, we're working out. We're at, we're at a small gym, like a, a little gym kind of out in the middle of uh, middle of nowhere. Uh, and so I've got, everybody's wearing their, their, uh, their iPods or, you know, whatever their music devices are. And I'm listening to one of the, po I think the, not the, not, not the Boston tea party podcast, but the one before that, I think um, where Lether is going off about his hatred of core skills. And, I've been working out for about half an hour, and at some point, I kind of 
I think I voiced the very loud, you know, Lether, you know, one of those kind of things. Very con-like, you know, if you've ever done that before in a fit of frustration and rage. So all the guys I'm working out with who can't really hear me that well, they immediately turn around and, and stare at me. And they're giving me the like, you know, the right on bro look because they were all thinking I was screaming the word lethal. Um, and it, if you've ever hung around with, with like the folks that I work with, that would make that make perfect sense. So they were thinking that the old guy actually like was doing a solid, you know, that I was getting pretty motivated because I'm, I'm definitely the oldest guy in the group. But uh, it, it was an interesting story that only a few of you will probably get. And, and trust me, had you all been there to see the look on the guy's guy's face and then you, you know, I quickly flushed through shame to I've got to totally walk this one off and make like I, I totally meant to say that. Uh, but anyway, so that's my funny haha story for uh, for the road trip. I wish I could have seen that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. Um, so I have a I have a very brief CPM update. Um, it basically, just uh, we we met with uh, someone in marketing um, about uh, a a topic of of selling things that uh, is is our next conversation topic, anyways. So um, that that's really all we did. Sweet, it was, it was a fun week. <laughs> Uh, you're starting to sound like Pinky in the Brain now. Like, what, what did you do this week on the CPM one? What we do every week: plot to take over the world. <laughs> Talk to marketing. Oh Lord, no, that was mean. I'm sorry. That's a good meaning. Cool. Um, all right. So, it, one thing I did want to quickly ask, uh, and this is based on a lot of the Skype discussions that we've seen over the last couple of days, and, and I'm sure that you guys on the CPM actually get this uh, on a fairly recent basis. Um, it's when you hear the guys uh, use terms like, uh, you know, dust isn't a thing, dust is dead, you know, games dying, X, Y, and Z. Um, I, I know that's always been a bone of contention with a lot of different folks uh, for, for a variety of different reasons, frankly. Mostly because I think veteran players that, that you know personally are leaving, but I, I'm pretty sure that that doesn't translate into the raw numbers of people playing dust or getting involved in dust in terms of uh, unique users and you know, things of that nature. And one of the comments I want to say was Denny Fleetfoot that said, he's like, if you could, if you could see what we see, you, you would have a very different picture or, or that would, that would very, you know, might very well change your mind. When it comes to things like that, is there any way that, I mean, have you guys had engagements with CCP about them saying, uh, you know, sort of the state of dust? Because I think that would go a long way in, in curbing what, you know, are some perception challenges out there. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, and we've had that conversation, but um, you know, the reality is, is the num- the, the the evidence is there. Um, uh, PCU is up like five by five hundred um, people um, uh, at peak, and that's um, you know over the same same date last year. And uh, you, you know, there were people who who had some concept that that could have been affected by the whole alt farming thing, but it couldn't be because of the way that uh, things are uh, calculated. Peak concurrent is the number of concurrent users on at one time. So no matter how many alts someone is creating, they can only be on one of them at a time. So um, 500 higher PCU is actually 500 more players on at the high at the most active time of the day. Um, so PCU is definitely up. There are there are more people playing. I would love to be able to like. It would be great if players realize the number of how many people actually are playing the game, because some people think it's just the PCU. And as I've always told people, the PCU is is 
you know, I've always said this is PCU is not anything near a representative amount of how many people are actually playing the game. And I, I'm very, very unhappy whenever I deal with people who are claiming that, uh, you know, however many people online means the game is dead and, and that everyone else is gone. And it's it's just simply not true. I just feel that trying to convince some of these people is just basically a losing fight because they, they're just not going to listen to you in the first place. And it's so frustrating trying to get CCP to say, to say these things themselves because as CPM, I'm not allowed to break the NDA. And it's just even further bad just trying to just trying to hang these um hang the information over these um the people you're trying uh, trying to talk to over their head. It's like, hey, I know something you don't, and it just sounds very douchebaggy. Well, from my position, from what I'm seeing on the ground, I mean, it's just still seems I've never noticed a big change in the activity except for after FanFest. Um, we had a dip from that, obviously. But I mean, like PC is still a relatively small crowd. I mean, we have a lot of people leave every now and then, but you also have new people who come up. I really don't notice too much of a change in our player base. That's uh, I can't tell a difference. Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty fair statement, man. The um, And I have to... It's one of those where you have to really, it's very easy to have a myopic view in that, you know, your personal circle of friends that you've maybe been working with for, you know, six, eight months, a year or two years in some of our cases. Uh, when those guys leave, it certainly seems like it's a, a much smaller game. Uh, but that really doesn't mean that there's less people. And in fact, every time you go into a match, I can still see a whole lot of different names. So it's one of those where, you know, it's really easy to, I think, catch yourself into a, like a perception trap that, you know, the game's getting smaller, quote unquote. It may just be that there's um, a recycling or, or a, a refreshment of, you know, the player base, uh, which is an interesting concept in and of itself. Uh, you know, how do you, you know, hanging on to that thin line of veterans, but you're growing new vets every day, every time, you know, guys that are six month old you know, become eight-month-old, nine-month-old, or one-year-old. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think the community is in a, in a perfectly fine state. I, I mean, there's definitely, I, I think, would be great if there were more ways to engage the newer players in with the, uh, you know, traditional uh, community players and, and get them really deeply involved. But, uh, you know, that's that's only part of it. Yeah, I've been noticing that myself from other games that are usually on console, the forum community is usually very trashy and excessively limited population in terms of how many people play the game. Yeah, and, and like I said, guys, it's one of those things I just wanted to hit on because that was literally one of the first things that happened when I came back over, uh, you know, from my little hiatus. I pulled up Skype and I was checking it out, and that was a, a you know, a fairly I wouldn't say heated discussion, but it was definitely an impassioned discussion between some some folks, um, you know, to include one or two of the CPM members. And, and I think, it, again, it, with the with the best of intentions, they were trying to describe to people uh, things that they desperately wanted them to know, but actually couldn't give them the hard information. And, and at the end of the day, it's one of those things where if anybody with a CCP tag would actually come out you know, with a state of the union on dust or like, Hey, this is, this is why we're hanging on to the game for X amount of time because it's like this, or, you know, because of the way the pair, the player base is actually growing, even if it's at a small rate compared to some, some other things. That's one of those things that would, that it, it would be a, uh, like many things, frankly, it'd be really cool if 
somebody with a blue tag would actually say that or perhaps put it in a, uh, a dev blog at some point in the future. Yeah, and and uh, you know that the discussion actually started because of the whole BPO issue. I, I I mean, it's it's very hard to explain to people that, but they're they're very worried, of course, um, or certain people are very worried that it is uh, potentially a cash grab on the way out the door, and I, I'm very very certain that it is not. Well, uh, I, now you know, truth in lending, you know, being the you know you're the average Joe player, I will have to say that. Uh, I can totally understand where I had not thought of that, by the way, though, Zell, but I could totally understand where somebody would come up with that. I, I absolutely could totally see that um, because if you're going to tinfoil, you're going to tinfoil, you know, and when you start calculating things like, um, you know, the general state of dust, the lack of word from anybody in CCP on any number of topics, you know, a, a server being shut down in the recent past. And then you, you're, you're probably remembering what happened like within a, what 48 hours of FanFest, like a huge push for arm cells and different packs and things like that. There, there, I could totally see where somebody would, you know, would come up with that, you know, mildly tinfoily sort of look at things. And the thing is, though, is, it, is that the, the reviews of, uh, you know, the, the thread were actually very, very positive until, you know, the usual trolls came in. Um you know, but it's I, I think it's a it's a great thing that players that players want it. The only reason it was taken away was because, you know, um, the the issues that it could have in something like a, a future player market, which obviously isn't coming to dust. So it it makes sense to offer them. And, you know, the the reality in, in my book, at least, is, uh, you know, there, there's no question that CCP is a business and the um, the idea of something that makes money for dust is good for dust because that's good for the longevity of the game you know um no i'm totally with you and just if you could recap for if in case somebody hasn't caught it can you give like the you know the 10 second elevator brief of uh, what's going on with bpos just so people are caught up yeah so at this point right now ccp has um put up a voting thread for um uh three sets of bpos um the valor uh, the Sever and the um, Raven Raven set, and uh, in particular, there are th- you know three of them of the suits in particular have been released before. Um, the Valor uh, Scout, the Raven Assault, the um, Sever Lodgy, um, but they are you know there are suit com suit and color combinations that have not been available before um, in the running there. Um, but the the big thing at least that's limiting at least to me is that right now they're limited to the the BPO suit types that were already available. So um, a Kaldar, the assault suits are Kaldari, the logistic suits are Mimitar, the scout suits are um, Galante, and the heavy suits are Amar. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I did saw I did see that. I thought it was kind of interesting. It sounds like they're basically just looking for. Uh you know, whole cloth content that's already ready to go that they can basically, you know, switch back on sort of. Um, it's an interesting thought, you know, particularly because, you know, that was the whole reason that a lot of the BPOs went away. And, uh, you know, it starts to make, I think the one thing I would be mildly concerned about is uh, if they start bringing these BPOs back, what will be the clamor for other BPOs that were taken away in the past, perhaps? Um just, just a thought. It, it might be one of those things that they come up. But, but then again, a lot of the guys that have the older BPOs probably aren't around. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many people still have BPOs. I mean, I got BPOs for items that should not be existing still. 
I got all my Drin series. I got yellow pills. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yellow still, that's old school. You still have yellow pills? I got a yellow pill BPO. Oh, I'm jealous. It's like a collector's item now. But uh, my big thing for BPOs is I love the fact that they're bringing them back. By the way, server's winning so far, if you didn't know. It's winning by a fair margin because red and black look fantastic. But what I want is I would love to see, and I believe I've told some of the devs about this, I would love to see the different racial BPOs. For example, I have all Mimitar suits. Basically, I have all of them to advanced at least. That means I only get to use one of those BPOs, the Drens. I would love to have a full line of basic BPO Mimitar suits for the uh, Heavy, for the Assault, for the Lodgy, for the Scout. I would love it. I would love to exchange those, and I would even be willing to pay a bit to exchange those, even though I've already bought the dang BPO. You know, I will have to say that that's that. I think you're spot on because, uh, like the Drin suit, when you actually look at the little lore tabs and all that kind of jazz, because I will do that. I'll nerd out and I'll actually read that stuff. That's actually an, in theory, an all Kaldari pack. When you read the like the actual lore piece in there, uh, I would actually like my Drin suit to actually have the Cal Heavy, the Cal Scout, you know, the Cal Lodgy, and all that kind of stuff in it. Then give yeah, me, I a, would pay give for me it. a Thucker pack. Yeah, no, I, I think that would actually be. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't I have no. I have no idea how difficult it would be. It's probably right on the other side of the edge of what they're able to do. But that I, I would. I might actually be con- be willing to to cough up a little bit of worm for that. Uh, I think the concern is going to be they really have to watch their price point because um, unless they can come up with the, I'm going to give you a BPO that you could carry over to Legion if and when Legion ever gets a green light, that might be. That that would make me much more interested in buying it, frankly. Well, if they go with the the concept that all suits are BPOs in in Legion, you'd basically be purchasing a skin. In that case, you may not want to pay as much as you used to in the past for, for these same items. Yeah, I think that's legit. I, I think it would be now. Skins have always been one of those kind of things that they've always wanted, and you know, I remember the the famed you know paint bucket option that they were trying to work on. Uh, that's one of those things that I wish I could apply some of those skins to, uh, you know, the higher tier stuff, you, you know, that I would love, I would love to be able to do that. If you've never seen the Republic command assault suit for the, uh, for the, uh, Mimitar, it's fantastic looking. I would love to have that as a skin. It's like black and red. What is it? It's a, it's white and red with a green eye. It just looks fantastic. Wear it as Warbark sweat, Warbark swag all the time. And I would love to have that as an option as a skin. I mean, cosmetics are really underplayed. I don't know why. I know a lot of people who would love cosmetics because believe it or not, we all got egos and we like to look nice. Well, that's if you think about it, that's in most games that have this sort of, uh, you know, eco model that that's really where a lot of the a lot of the revenue is generated from is really going to be aesthetic items. And we've said that for that's no secret to anybody. And that's what a lot of guys would be willing to pay for, uh, you know, that that's. Again, a no secret, but it's one of those things that you hope they take into account in future game design for, or really feature design for uh, for Legion. Well, especially when you've got, like I said, the concept of having a, the suit that it's a BPO. To the idea being that you know you've earned this suit; the suit is yours. You know, it, it's a definition of who you are. I think definitely adding uh, the ability to customize that to your your liking is very important. So I really do hope they take that into consideration because I mean. I had more BPOs. I bought the Eve Collector's Edition largely because I wanted the Templar set, just because it looked cool. And that was, you know, a lot of money to get a, a, a paint job, pretty much. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, off the top of my head, I think of, like, old games like Armored Core that were uh, 
very unique in the level of complexity in terms of the aesthetic work that you could do to your individual uh, mech or character, whatever you want to call it. And, and that's the, in my head, that's what I wish that they had is they had something that was, you know, not quite as deep as the fitting system, but something that was pretty robust in terms of how you could customize your characters. And, and really for a long time in dust BPOs that, you know, that was really the way that that was done. I mean, the fact that it was a standard suit and, you know, it maybe saved you a little bit of money here and there and it was isk efficient. That's good. But at the end of the day, you know, if you can afford to run higher tier gear on a regular basis, you're going to do that just because it's a, it's a better suit. As I said, uh, I wouldn't use them too often. I'd use them mainly if I wanted to get some isk and ambush or if I really didn't care about my score because I run proto basically all the time. But if I were to make those paint jobs, I would be using them all the time. Now, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, man. Um, so uh, any other comments on BPOs or at least the, the reemergence of the BPO set, guys? No, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I'm, I'm hoping that if these sell well and they, it shows the company that this is worth doing, that we might potentially see, like you said, a fleshing out of the, the other BPO suits. You can get like a Keldari Scout or, a, you know, a Galentic command or something like that. I think that if these these work out well and the community shows strong interest, we could hopefully see you know a full set in the future. No, I, I think that's I think that's pretty legit, man. The uh, so one of the things I did want to bridge over to was a couple of the items in Delta that caught my eye. Uh, I'm not gonna I won't go over the entire list because I, I think you guys covered it in extremely well in the last two shows. Uh, but just the ones that at least for me personally caught my attention. Um, I thought a lot of the stuff they generally had in there was good in, in keeping with the last two or three hot fixes, um, a lot of small changes, but, you know, in the aggregate, very meaningful, generally very positive changes. Um, I thought that the have inertia was a really good, good idea. I thought that was very legit. Um, you know, the nanite injector caught my eye. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. And, and I like the fact that they were responding to, Hey, we can't increase your war points for, uh, you know, they couldn't adjust war points for the nanite injector, so they found another way to to try to increase the relevancy of the piece of equipment. Um, the the sidearm stuff, I think, is actually really good. I like the idea that they're trying to take a hard look at the sidearms. Uh, the one thing that struck me, you know, the outlier within all of the sidearms uh, is actually the MagSec and the SMG because they're listed as sidearms. But you have to be really careful because they're not actually sidearms and how they're designed. Uh, you can use them as primary weapons depending on what you want to do with them, or you can use them as a backup weapon. And that's really the the piece that you know kind of gets you in trouble with balancing things like this. Is that you know they're they're literally SMGs. If, if you think about it, like those type of weapons by their nature in any game in any scenario that you can come up with, those are the type of things that bridge the gap between a true sidearm and an actual light weapon, rifle style weapon. So I, I think you got to be really careful messing around in there, uh, trying to treat them where you have to make like a magsec or an SMG uh, inevitably equal to other sidearms. Um, so just one of those things that caught my eye. Um, let's see. Shield, well, I mean, go ahead, please. I, my personal opinion on, on sidearms is that they should be deadly. I think that the SMG is the SMGs are closer to where I think that sidearms should be. You know, yeah. 
Yeah, I'll, I I'll, mean, I'll buy that. They're a lesser tier than a light weapon, but you know, a heavy weapon is a lesser tier than a heavy weapon. You could still effectively kill people with a light weapon. You know, in I think that that's that's the point is that it should be yeah, it should be a bit weaker. It sh- you know, but it should be deadly. It should work effectively. You know, as more than just a well, I can finish this person off with it. And I've said it, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I've always thought the biggest thing that differentiates the weapons is how many enemies you can engage. Heavy weapons are made to engage lots of targets. Light weapons are made to engage multiple targets. I always think sidearms are made to engage one to two targets at most, and they have to be deadly. Uh, I always think of them as I need to kill this guy quick because either I'm reloading or I'm caught with my pants down, and that's what they have to do. The SMG excels in that. It is great at taking down targets. Its deadliness is there. However, it's got an 80-round clip. It can take on two to three targets, even more if you're good good and you have them in assault. Um, And that's where I really think the other sidearms need to be brought up is being able to kill the target in front of them. But you also want to make sure and be careful not to make the others too deadly where they can eclipse into light weapon territory, which is that territory where you say, you know, I'm turning into this room. There's like three people. It's okay. I've got my SMG. I'll be fine. Well, and if you think about it, though, like an SMG again, it's it's really designed to to be able to deal with things in close quarters and and frankly take on multiple targets. The now I will tell you this though, I, I'm totally with you that an 80 round clip for it is is a bit excessive. I, I think before they touched any of the other stat on the weapon, the first thing they should do is knock it down to about 60 rounds, and I think that would probably solve a fair It'd amount. Solve a lot of problems. The uh, so generally, I, I, like I said, I thought a lot of the discussion about the sidearm stuff was really good. Uh, I was a little surprised that they were going to take another pass through rifles. Uh, makes kind of sense when he laid it out. I was like, hey, we've we made one change. We did a round of data. Now we want to go back and look at it again. So I, I, I was, a, like I said, a little surprised that they were going to go through that again. But it looks like they are, that, that CCP Rattati, and this is just my initial assessment, is and guys, please you know, hop in if you if you're if I'm off base here. But it looks like he's uh, continuing to sharpen the very linear cur- the very linear uh, sort of equation between pure range and DPS style output. Uh, so that's a pretty that's a pretty straight straight piece he's got going on right there. Uh, which, if that's how we're going to balance it, that that's fine. That's okay. But I think the one thing. He's mentioned in a couple of places, but it doesn't really explain it. Is there's a lot of other factors in how rifles perform other than range and DPS that I'm I'm not entirely sure that they're taking into account, and actually matters a lot in terms of the practical application, like the the in-game application of uh, how the weapon systems work. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Looking at the graph right now, the DPS versus effective range. There's a few things I like. I really like how they're making the Allotech Burst um, more viable than the, the Boundless uh, at closer ranges. Makes sense, Galente Weapon. The Devaltac being better at closer ranges in the Visium. Makes sense, Galente Weapon. Um, I like the fact that the Kalakiota Rail has the lowest DPS, but once again, the longest range out of them all. What worries me is that Creodron Breach Assault Rifle. That thing is deadly the way it is right now, and they're bumping it up to Deval territory. That makes me concerned. Yeah, I, I I did see some pretty like the numbers were skewing pretty hard in in different directions with uh, uh, with some of the weapons and and it was a little surprising to me. Uh, the one thing I will say, and I think you're right by the way about that breach AR, you really have to be careful with that because again, it's about the mechanics. 
you know, it does solid damage already. Uh, it's got decent range. The aim down sight system is much better than the standard AR, at least in my opinion. So you've got a lot of different things going going on in that weapon. You've got to be careful of. One of the things that struck me is it's you know when you consider how do you apply the damage. So you know for example the you know the plasma rifle short short range high DPS should be you know pretty much top of the heap by you know in terms of close quarters battle. I'll buy that totally in terms of the light weapon piece. The question starts to become in two areas. Number one is how high on the top of the heap should it be in that range? Like how big of the, like, and this is, you can actually talk about this with any number of things, but how far should the difference be between the left and the right limits in a given tactical scenario? Um, and then on the other side with the rail, long range, you know, excellent range, um, lower DPS. So I can kind of buy that, but I think it's when you get into the application of that long range DPS with the very high recoil, uh, the charge time and some other things, that's where it gets a little shady for me. Uh, because if you've already got the lowest level of DPS and you're going to start stacking other, uh, curbing mechanics on it, that starts to, I, I start to look at that a little bit sideways. So it's, it's kind of interesting for me and I'd like to hear your guys thoughts on, you know, sort of how this is shaping out and what other factors they need to bring into play in terms of the weapon balance. Uh, and perhaps, uh, you know, where do you think the difference is? Like, like how big of a difference in performance should the different rifles be sort of in their optimals? Without putting out any raw numbers, um, I would say the easiest way just to say it is that it should be enough to matter. It should be enough to the point where you're saying, I'm going to be in CQC, so I'm going to use the Deval instead of the combat rifle. Why? Because I'm going to be fighting point blank most of the time. I don't need that extra range. That extra damage is more important. On the inverse side, on the Kalakiota side, you got to be saying at the same time, at this range, I should still be dealing enough damage to warrant wanting to use it, not just saying I'm going to use a combat rifle and just get closer. It's, I mean, I'm not sure about the actual numbers, but it should be enough to sway your decision. That's that's a you know that's a pretty fair point and, and I think you you brought up some I I use rails rail rifles like I was a day one rail rifle user and that was one of the things that I noticed very quickly was uh, once they once they kind of evened out the damage for all the different weapons which they they needed to do um, the rail quickly you know, had already really been out of favor in the higher in, in the PC t in you know in PC but that gap was even further defined because the way the maps are designed, you know, there's only, it's very situational when you can really take advantage of the range of the, of, uh, the calculator rail rifle. Uh, it, it's only used in PC and situations where you're literally sitting at range overwatch on alpha, where you're literally like 80 meters back watching a point or overwatch on home point where you're once again, 80 meters away from a point, just camping a spot. That's the yeah. main problem with it is that those are the only times when it's worth it and it should be more worth it. But at the same time, I'm super scared of making it stronger at range because I'm having flashbacks. I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> no. And, and your point is, your point is spot on in terms of, but it, but it's no different than the plasma cannon discussion in terms of if it, well, let me put it this way. Any discussion about a weapon where if you look at what it's designed to do and you optimize it for that, where it's not OP and it's, striking the right tone it's really easy for that weapon in other areas to to perhaps be overpowered or you know woefully underpowered to the point where it's not useful 
Uh, I think the rail rifle and uh, many times, like the, the standard rail, rail rifle is very situational. The assault rail rifle is actually, I, I, I tend to use that more than anything just because it's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more medium ground, but you really make a great point earlier. At the end of the day, the combat rifle is just much more versatile and useful uh, for any number of different types of engagements. And I think that's what I'm concerned about when I start seeing uh, a lot of the discussions about rifle balance just writ large is you, you want the differences to matter, but you don't want them to matter so much that you make, you don't want them to become too niche, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think another thing that I'm also worried about is the fact that some weapons perform too well in all areas of the game, like the combat rifle, for example, or rather the assault combat rifle, for example, is really quite good over very large ranges and its DPS is, is pretty solid. And I think that if you're going to have four distinctive rifles, they need to actually feel like they're performing differently, opposed to having one that's, you know, just clearly better in almost all situations than the other ones, which I think is kind of what we have now. It's gotten a little bit better, but it's still problematic, I think. Yeah, if you look at the graph, actually, now that you mention it, I'm starting to see what they're thinking. If you look at it from the vertical scale, um, you'll notice that, once again, the Creodron Breach and the Deval, I'm worried about that. But as you move up, you'll see... As you get to the Deval Burst, which is supposed to be the longer range variant, and then you have the Assault Combat Rifle, which is the shorter range variant, they're roughly the same on the DPS uh, on the DPS scale. Well, not DPS scale, the range scale, essentially. The Assault Combat Rifle is roughly the same range as the Burst Assault Rifle, which makes sense. As you move along, you'll start to see the Cartham Assault um, Scrambler Rifle is just a bit behind the Deval Tactical. You're starting to see how uh, how the variants push and pull each other on this uh, on this range scale, which I'm just now noticing, and I got to say that looks pretty cool. I like the way that looks. Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm with you on that, man, and I do I do like the the general vibe of where they're going for it. But I, what I, I keep going back to is how do the other weapon mechanics, you know, in terms of DPS application, like how do they factor into uh, how do they factor into this? Because it could be quite quite significant in a lot of different ways. If you're either looking at charge time with rails or heat mechanics with the scramblers, like those are th- those are driving factors in how those things work. Uh, and not to mention that in the da- in like the actual damage profiles themselves. Problem with that though is that numbers don't help there. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And we that's have to I'm... test them, and we don't have a server. Cough, yeah, cough, I know that's what GCD you and I were cough, cough. messing around with on that one. And that, that is kind of the ugly thing is, you know, that's why balancing is so painful in Dust is because the test server is, is effectively live injection of the changes. Uh, and, you, and you get what you get at that point, and you got to live with it until they're willing to change it. Well, that's kind of the beauty of what we have right now, though, is the fact that they're, they're doing updates fairly quickly. So if they do something and it doesn't work out, we aren't stuck with it for too long, unlike the previous cycle, which obviously if something was broken, Months. it remained broken for, you know, half a year which was problematic. But now, you know, every month, month and a half, you know, if someone's role gets broken, well, that's terrible, of course, but it, you aren't going to be stuck with it for a long time. So it's a messy test server, but we, we kind of play in a test server in some uh, some fashion. Doesn't that mean we're still in beta? <laughs> joke. We've, always been. We've always been in beta. <laughs> we're in the Legion. Did we ever leave? We never left beta. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we never should have left beta, you mean? Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I like the graphs that, that they threw out, which are pretty pretty interesting. And, uh, uh, and and by the way, you guys are correct. I, I don't know that we ever left beta, uh, and I'm, I'm getting very fond of that name, the beta. So, uh, 
I would actually like to have them put a graph out that was uh, that incorporated some of the other mechanics. So things like recoil and dispersion and, and show that in a linear fashion of how they wanted that to fit. And I think when you start seeing those type of things laid on over the range and the DPS output, you're really going to be able to get a much better picture of, of where you should be at with, uh, with the rifle systems. So like I said, just throwing it out there. Um, and one thing I wanted to talk about with the ghost, uh, specifically me and him were, were uh, having a really good discussion earlier today about uh, the turret, some of the turret changes, uh, specifically the rails. Um, I, I, you know, a lot of discussion about the rail turrets, specifically large and small in the, in Delta uh, for rails in general, there's a, a thought that there should, that, uh, like all splash damage should be taken out, which I think was the initial uh, initial output for uh, the Delta narrative. And then there was a discussion about a rate of fire nerf on the small rails. And, and he and I went back and forth and we slew numbers around and, and we started talking, you know, practicalities and stuff. So we'll talk about the, um, boy, somebody's Skype is blowing up. I think that's you, Ghost. Yeah, so, sorry. The uh, for the large for rails in general, uh, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts about removal of splash damage. The obvious benefit is that if you're keyholing a a a panel like a an objective panel or a a, a specific kill zone, it's you know no splash damage is good because that small amount of splash damage, i.e., just firing straight at a panel or something like that, you can often keep a panel panel clear. Uh, which, by the way, is, is a very PC-like thing to do. You don't you don't see it across the game necessarily, but it, it's a it's a noticeable concern. I, I think the concern when you take all the splash away is it really. Um, it, I don't know that the game is accurate enough that having no splash damage is a good thing either. Uh, and I'd like to just kind of open that up for you guys' thoughts real quick. Um. I personally, I want the splash gone. I have been killed far too many times taking an objective in PC and being killed by a rail in the red line. I hate it. It should go. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying. It either needs to be gone or very, very small. But if it's very, very small, you run into the same thing you did earlier, which is application. You know, it's still small, but dear gosh, I'm nowhere near precise enough to hit this little uplink a mile away. So me personally, I'm in favor of getting rid of it. Pokey, you're the tanker. What do you think, brother? Uh, well, like I'm saying in chat here, I said I, I used to abuse the hell out of that in PC, sitting on the hill in PC and basically, you know, bombing the objective with a with a rail, and you could pretty much with the splash damage do it from an angle, which made you almost impossible to kill. So I think in that regard, it's a good thing. Um, I know a lot of people complain about the forge guns that uh, the splash damage and being sniped, and, and honestly, I've I've rolled with some really badasses with the forge gun, and I think that it's not going to make much of a difference. I think that the people who snipe with the forge gun do it in a direct shot. I don't think the removal of splash damage is yep, actually going to matter. Sure. Um, yep, they're going to hit you directly. I could count the amount of times been killed by splash with the forge, probably on two hands. Yeah, no, I mean, like, yeah, if I'm, you're talking I'm like, a forge sniper, and their splash isn't an issue. A splash hit is a miss to me. It's not enough damage for me to care. It's a tease. Yeah. Yeah, like, like early close beta, maybe. That's when the splash is pretty damn high. But nowadays, it's like, no. The, the people that are sniping you with a forge gun, they know what they're doing. They're not killing you with the splash. So well, I let think me, the removal isn't going to make a difference. Well, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, and without actually understanding, you know, I don't know how they calculate the splash, but is there a way that you can have the same splash effect, but you lower 
the actual damage dealt to where perhaps it's still effective against things like equipment, but it, you, it would have to be the, the least tanky of least tanky scouts before you actually got a kill with a, a rail uh, short of a direct hit. Hmm. I don't think they can do that. How much health does your average uh, equipment have? Like Tiny. up to 500, right? No, no, they no, nerfed it. No they nerfed it very 200. hard. It's in the one, it's in the 100 range at most for very tough nano hives. If I remember, I mean, if I remember correctly, I can go look this up. But I honestly want to say drop up links are in the 10 to 30 territory. And, and how much I flash damage? To say is there like... were grenades that couldn't couldn't kill one. Nope. At one not. point, you were right. Absolutely, at one point, not. if you had tons of equipment and a single uh, frag grenade, it would not deal enough damage to kill them all. Nowadays, yeah, that, that a good flux will take everything. Yeah, that, that's more to do to placement of the grenade, not the HP. Let me put it this no, way. I, it, was, like, it was bad enough at one point, you could literally stack 20 pieces of equipment on top of each other, throw a flux, and it would only take down half because it wouldn't deal enough damage. Because believe it or not, grenades actually absorb, uh, what is it, drop suit and equipment actually absorb splash damage to a degree. Well, that, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I there's mean, also damage that, fall off. That too. Yeah, but I mean, I think the point is the, like, you're, you're talking about a very, it's it's a pretty low number. It, it's it, it's well under what, uh, you know, the base HP of pretty much any any suit is. It's higher than I thought it was. Alatech flux droplets and uplinks have four hundred health. Four hundred. There we go. No talk, way. People making fun of me here, huh? There's I don't know why I thought it was no so way. low. I remember they. Uh, I want to say that too because I I melee all equipment all the time. I want to say that protofits is you can wrong. you can one hit melee any piece of equipment. And kill I it. want to agree too. I'm going to look up this patch now. Yeah, it patch takes two that? for me most of the time. No, you actually got to hit it though. You need to work out more, bro. Hey, well, I, I don't. I don't take stems. Yeah, got those myrofibrils. Well, let me put it this way: just off the top of my head, I know that when I shoot at one with any weapon, it takes it significantly less time to kill it than it does to kill like your average drop suit. Let me let me put it that way. <laughs> Well, they don't got health profiles like uh, suits do. We got armor and shields. They're just plain, plain Jane HP. Sure, but my my point is that it seems like there's a way that you could retain the splash effect, uh, or you could. Well, I don't know. It, I think ideally, yeah. you would want to be able to retain the splash effect for the intended purpose. And for a rail, if you think about it, it's it's a big dart that's you know it's a dart essentially that's flying at you at like hyper hyper speed. So there isn't a lot of splash damage, but there are there are effects if it lands around you. So that makes uh, that makes total sense. Should it like one hit kill a suit? Absolutely not. Should it really like? Should it tell somebody that you know they're getting shot at and they probably need to move? Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, I, it's just my personal opinion on it. I mean, um, I wouldn't actually looked up uh, more. I think it was just a piece of equipment I clicked on was wrong because what I'm looking at right now says that a. Uh, Basic uplinks have 50 health. Advanced have 75. So the logical that, jumps that 100, sounds, which that makes a lot, a lot, more, lot sense. more sense. Yeah. So if you want to keep the if you want to keep anti uh, equipment things for the forge or like the rail or something, I think it would be a great idea to keep the splash, but make it like a hundred. Yeah, hundred would I, I be able to pop all equipment, and I'm not going to have to worry about being insta killed off that insta uh, off that objective. It would achieve both of our goals. Yeah, I think that would be a really good way to approach it. Like I said, I don't know technically if that's even feasible, but to, to me, that seems like the, the, the good median solution. Flux mass drivers. I would love that. Hey, man, I'll tell you right now, if they could figure out how to do different ammo types in this game, that would change the dynamics of a lot of stuff. 
I was talking with thing, a... Thing is, uh, that's probably gonna require a brand new weapon overall. Instead of just having swap an ammo mid-fight, you get a different gun instead. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm thinking of, like, in terms of, like, how Mass Effect works. You can take the same rifle, but you're loading it with different style types of ammo delivery. Or just like an EVE, you're changing the round. You're changing what you're loading in your blaster and you mm. know, things like that. Me and Break and stuff are actually talking about it. I think the coolest way to do this, uh, pure theory crafting, a bit off topic, but uh, would be to make it an equipment slot. And you would go to your yeah, weapon you that. want, you I would do type down the equipment slot, and it would hot load the ammo into it. We, we we went full theory crafting. We had, I think I was loading my combat with depleted uranium at one point. Uh, we had Fusion S as well. And it would like change the range. It would change the hip fire accuracy. And I honestly got done with that thread and thought, you know what? This would be badass if we had that in game. I would love it. I think it'd be awesome. I thought it'd be great to give um, like two clips for an equipment slot and then give the assault more. So the assault has that flexibility of being able to, you know, engage different targets because he has that extra, he has the different ammo clips. I th I went all the way. I thought it'd be fantastic. No death tacto. So probably never be seen ever. I don't know. I mean, that that's a great thing. Dude, you might be able to push know. foreign legion, you know, but, and I'm a huge fan of that because you can, like, to me, the weapons themselves, it's more about the mechanics of, it's like how they deliver the damage, right? But you should be able to modify what that damage output is. Like, I would tell you, like, if it were a perfect world for me, like, in, in just what you described, I would have probably different classes with different slots, like, almost like equipment slots for weapons. So you could pick your damage type perhaps within reason. Uh, and then perhaps different races get uh, different modifiers for different damage types, just like an Eve. But things like damage mods, I would remove those from highs and lows, and I would either, I would make them some form of equipment slot, because that, or you have to offer damage mods in both high and low slot variants, because there will always be an imbalance uh, in terms of your your peak min max ability to outlay damage. So it, it's one of those things where I, I just it strikes me that find a middle ground where you can where you can make it more about the weapon and, and how you deliver the damage uh, as opposed to like a, like a, a suit fitting mechanic. Well, we got a bit off topic. We were talking about rails. Um, you want to go through the rest of these rail changes? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. I, 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 I'll just, I've got the man. list up. I'll just read down. They want to change the small, um, remove all splash from their large rails and small rails. They're going to release, uh, reduce the small rail turret delay from 0.5 to 0.65 and reduce the ROF, which means it takes longer to charge and it shoots slower. They're going to remove all splash from the large blaster. They're going to have uh, the small blaster splash radius increased to 0.5 meters. I'm going to love that. They're also giving it a bigger range. They're giving it a better clip and they're increasing the rotation speed. Small blaster is getting a very large buff. Um, the missile turrets are going to get their proper damage profile for once and rail turrets are also going to get their proper damage profile for once. Overall, I like the changes. I like a lot of them. The only one that I've uh, had someone disagree with me on is small rail turrets. Cough, cough. We'll find out about that in about five minutes. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, I, I do, I do actually need to ask. Quite, I, I'm kind of curious from Iron Wolf and from Zell. You may or may not have insight into it, but what was the what was the actual impetus for the small rail changes? Gee, I'm not sure if we're allowed to talk about that. Are we, Sora? I'm not sure I remember what it is, so I don't remember. If... <laughs> Sorry. Well, they had a brick wall. Well, there. I think I think there's a couple different ideas that we can throw out there that are that are you know they can choose to agree or or pipe in on. One, as you pointed out earlier, Ghost is uh, you know how effective an, an incubus, incubus could be with a rail. 
And I think the other one, the other discussion was going to be, or the other point might be um, anti-infantry. Re- yeah, relative. They're, relative they're strength hands down the best anti-infantry turret um, right now for ground vehicles. The best in the air is obviously the missile. Yeah, and, and I think th- there's two things going on here, and we'll, we'll need to touch on the inqu- let's do the incubus second because I think that's a that's that's a harder one to solve. The yeah. um, the the first one in terms of its anti-infantry role, I actually the first thing that struck me was, I if you put that little one pixel dot on a on a suit and you shoot it and or you can you can generally two hit kill pretty much any suit except for the most tanky of tanky heavy suits. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of okay with that. You're essentially shooting what is effectively a mini forge gun at them. The forge gun's tech, you know, it's very similar to a rail and its, its mechanics. But it, it goes. It's kind of like the plasma cannon. If you want it to be good at AV dealing direct damage, it it's quickly could become overpowered in the anti-infantry role if you're not careful. But I don't know that it's necessarily that you know small rails they track slow. They're really good if you're in a stable firing platform, firing at people that aren't moving. Uh, I, I'm totally with you on that. They will chew through infantry that are stupid enough to stand there and let you shoot at them. Um, or, and you can usually get a snipe shot off on some guys too. I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, but they really shine when they're going AV, particularly against dropships is what I've found. Um, and they can help kill tanks too, particularly if you've got a partner who's swarming or forging at them. So how do you, I guess my question with the small rail is how do you keep them where they should be with AV work, which is, I would argue right now that they are pretty much right where you want them to be in terms of their role for anti-vehicle work, but not make them um, out of kilter with other facets. Um, I said what, I think so. Is a I think the way to solve it to keep it AV is the way is the way that they're doing. Um, they're not reducing the damage. Um, they're reducing the rate of fire and the delay, which means it takes longer to deal the damage. And I have we haven't tested this as we mentioned earlier, but ideally, since it's firing slower, it also overheats slower. It overheats in the same amount of shots, but it still deals the same damage. So it's extending the AV thing, um, which means that I think it loses some of its deadliness, which I think it is a bit too deadly. And I'll get into numbers later. And the main reason why I don't like it for anti-infantry is because it's literally just the best choice. Small blasters aren't very good right now. There's no reason to use them. Those are just too hard to hit people with um, because, I mean, from that from that LAV platform, you don't have enough of an angle. You've got to hit them directly. Have fun with that. But the small rail, you can sit back there at about 100 meters. You're safe out of everyone's range. You don't have to worry about getting shot out. And you can just put rounds down range. It's insane how fast it can put rounds down range. And then if you get engaged, you just pull back. Keep engaging. It's scarily effective. Do you remember the pre-1.7 small rails? I do not. Uh, I think they were plagued by terrible hit detection, which they fixed. And they were plagued by an incredibly slow rate of fire. I, I can't w- speak for that. I never used them back then. Hey, uh, Pokey, what was your general, uh, like if you dig into the memory warehouse here, the pre-1.7 small rails versus the ones we have now? What's your, if you had to give like a thumbnail like of the difference, what do you think it is? Well, they're pretty good now, and they were shit then. Um, you, you couldn't hit anything because the hit section was bad. The overall DPS was shitty. Fire rate was slow, so you couldn't even hit infantry. But they were just overall bad turrets. Um, then they, they ramped up the, the fire rate to extreme levels, which I have mixed feelings about, but I think that, I mean, they're obviously kind of turn, turning that back down a bit, hopefully not to the same level it was before. I don't remember the exact numbers we had before, but uh, hopefully somewhere in the middle. But 
Uh, assuming the hit detection is fixed and the damage is probably about where it is now, I think that the lower fire it will actually go a long way in making it a little more reasonable than it currently is. But yeah, like you said before, they were they were so slow and weak, and you couldn't hit anything with them. I think I got one kill with a small rail in the existence of the game, and I've been here for a while, so. It was kind of a, <laughs> it was a, a blue moon sort of thing. You just never saw it because it was the the turrets were shit. Well, I do know the current base for the our current uh, small rail uh, rail turn is uh, basically an oversized rail rifle. That's one way of putting it. No, uh, I, I I would just offer this. I, I think that uh, it would be very interesting to see what the rate of fire was on the pre one point seven rail turret. Uh, I, I don't know what the number is. And I don't know where I, w- I would have no clue where to find it either, but I, I would be very curious to see what, like if they're actually trying to make it in the middle or if they're bringing it down to something m- more similar to that. And kind of the one thing I would, I would kind of offer is that there's a very, very fine line with that is if you're, if it's, if it's concern, if the concern is about anti-infantry work, again, the the application of the DPS once you get beyond numbers changes dramatically, uh, and that's why. And it, it goes set it spot on. It's it's one of those reasons why you boy you really wish you had a test server. Uh, I mean, how many times have we? I mean, we all play Eve, so I mean, how many times have you seen them announce a change? They put they put it up on uh, Sissy the the test server, and all the players can jump in and play it, and the devs are playing it, and then the numbers at the end of the day when it actually drops in the patch are noticeably different. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason for that. It's, it's Numbers look like one thing, but practical application really looks like a, like another. You want to hear some uh, information about the small rail? I went and looked, yeah, found no, an no, old thread on the 1.7 small rail. I think the reason why those things didn't do enough damage is because apparently they're saying here it only did 50% damage to vehicles back then. Hmm. Um, it doesn't, doesn't mention the rate of fire. People complaining. Let's see. Let's go down Terminal Lance's complaints about the 1.7 rail real quick. Blast back in time. Still only does 50% damageable. Um, can at the broadside of a barn. Never gets used compared to the missile. Has pitiful range and no zoom. Overly char- long charge time. And this guy's really optimistic. Is the rail rifle going to have charge times? Um, basically, some of the fixes actually was what went through. It does feel full damage. It fixed its hit detection. It gave it a decent zoom and good range. Um, they changed the charge. Um, and they increased the rate of fire. Which, that guy was actually spot on. Way to go and predict the future, Terminal Lance. Yeah, I mean, trust me, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, it shouldn't be a machine gun, but I mean, it is, it's got a noticeably quicker rate of fire. Even if you tone it down, that's one thing, but you got to be really careful because what they're effectively doing, and and this is where you can hop in with the numbers, Ghost, but it looks like, at least according to what Rotati put out in his own numbers, that they're cutting it by somewhere around 40%, 40, 45%? 25% range uh, rate of fire reduction. And I think that's necessary. And the numbers I did with Proto Rail and this. Yeah, in the, terms the, of DPS, I was talking about not not rail oh. fire. I'm sorry. Um, right now, it's DPS. I can't. I mean, DPS is weird for charge weapons. So I'm just going to say, after 4.7 seconds, the small rail fires. I want to say around seven shots and deals roughly three. Th- no wait, that's ten shots. Ten shots. It deals 3,770 damage. The Proto Rail deals 5,565. At that point. Um, if you combine the two, like let's say you've got a, uh, a tank with a proto rail and a, uh, and a small rail, and they're both firing at a rail with a single turret, you are effectively dealing 1.8 times the damage with just an extra small rail. That's almost two proto turrets for just a rail and a small rail. 
and but that's also in a very condensed time period, not stretched out, right? Yeah, that's five. That's point seven seconds. You're dealing. I think seconds. the total. Yeah, I think the total damage round there is you're almost into the ten thousand range. You're like no. at nine thousand something. So I, I'm with you on that, and I, and I, I, I totally see see where the concern is on that one. I would I would actually rather them slightly lower the damage, like the raw damage output, like the alpha damage for their strikes as so, opposed to the rate of fire, in yeah. all honesty. Mo- mainly because of the tracking speed on that turret is the slowest of any of the small turrets. Uh, and unless you put SP into it to bring your tracking speed up, y- you can out you can outmove one of those turrets quite often if you're an infantry guy and you know you're getting shot at by them. It's, where, where they're really deadly against infantry is, like I said, you roll up on a flank or you're, you, you catch them unawares and they're basically static. Uh, that's where you can really do serious damage with guys. Uh, but then I, I would also, there's two things that in terms of when you look at them relative to other rail, other turrets, rather, I wonder how the new small blaster is going to act against infantry. Small blaster is um, going to rule. I think that's going to be just absolutely deadly. So then my question is, are, is anybody really going to be worried about small rails at that point for anti-infantry? Maybe, maybe not. Um, uh, then the other thing, I, and you bring up a really great point in terms of small turret versus large turret comparison. I really wonder what the relative numbers are to the other two turret types because I like I've never had a reason to look, but it strikes me as like that's a that's an interesting. I question. can bring up those Where numbers by next week. Yeah, I mean, and it might be something worthwhile if you keep it in line with the other turrets. But like I said, to me, it's about just practical application of some of these things. And as the numbers I gave, the biggest one that stands out to me is that at the 1.7 mark for the proto rail and the, and the, and the small rail is that at 1.7 seconds, it's, which by the way is 0.05 seconds before the rail fires twice, just for, just so throwing that out there. But right before that second, that small rail is actually dealing like 85% the damage of a proto rail turret. Just right. one, which but, is quite insane. If you think about I, it, I agree, but that race changes dramatically over time though, right? Yeah, no. On a long enough timeline, the the proto-rail wins every time. But it's in that small time frame, and this is where I move into the concern with the Incubus. The Incubus gets a 50% rate of fire increase with the small rail, which means that it's firing essentially 1.5 times as fast, which means you can make an agree. I mean, rate of fire and DPS is weird on rails, but you can make the assumption that its DPS will be 1.5 times the amount, which in that time, within two seconds, the small rail is blowing past the proto-rail. So oh, then the, just, it's insane. So here's my question. Is the small rail the problem, or is the Incubus the problem? I... That's a that's a line, and I don't know how to cross that line. I don't know what to do at this point. As I said, I'd have to really start testing this, which I would love to do, but that requires a test server and free time, which I also lack sometimes. Darn college. <laughs> All right. So I'm curious, like Zell, like Iron Wolf, what do you guys think about that? That that question is it is it the incubus or the rail turret that's the problem in in that instance? I think they're more. It's more related to the skills behind them. Oh yeah, how, I'm not even, how I'm not even how including uh, what is it, the assault dropship skill gives a 10% increase to small turret damage. Yep. Not only that, uh, you're familiar with uh, skill stacking, right? Oh yeah, we were testing that. Uh, me and some core mates were actually testing that earlier. And yeah, the skills do stack. It's also insane because if you get your pilot in the ADS who has skills and the gunner has skills, they stack. That missile turret was firing insanely fast. I think we took down a, uh, what is it, a uh, standard... LAV and like four direct missile shots, and it was literally under two seconds. Yeah, See, I, I, 
Last time I seen a missile boat of death uh, show up in a pub fight, it just decimated our entire team because we couldn't even get, we couldn't even just poke our heads out it was to so look fast. at it before it uh, killed us. It's a total carpet bomb. You can't counter it. It's just you, you poke your head out and you're getting nailed by missiles or rails so fast you don't even know what hit you. You're just instantly dead. I want to try this now. The only time it wasn't killing us is when it's flying back back to its supply depot to reload. Or being chased off by uh, swarms, but that's another discussion for another day. So this this is why I bring up the discussion about small rails, by the way, is, is, exa- is, is, is more when you start looking at what is the root cause of the problem or what is the root cause of why there is going to be a nerf? And without knowing, you know, again, without getting Iron Wolf or Sry into trouble, on the surface to me, my question is ultimately this. Is it the small rail that's really the problem or is it things going on bigger than the small rail, no pun intended, that's actually creating the situation that, that demands the change to the weapon? I think it's just the existence, the combination of all the fat, all the ingredients um, being applied to it that creates this uh, awful final product. That um, while awful, uh, while awesome to use as a um, player, it's um, not fun to get shot by. I mean, f- take this. Is for example. anything fun to get shot by? Like I, I always, I, I gotta say, I hate it when people say that. It's like, is there anything that is not fun to get shot by? Because I'm pretty confident at some point in this game, I think. The only things that I haven't heard that are annoying to get shot by is like a bolt pistol. It, you know, like everything else in this game at some point has been quote unquote annoying to get shot by or killed by. Bolt pistol, ion pistol, flaylock pistol. And if you're in a dropship, people shooting at you with light weapons is freaking hilarious. Why are you shooting my dropship with an assault rifle? I will never know. See, I say we fix that. I think uh, all weapons should do 100% damage to vehicles. Uh, no, problem solved. No. Remember back when we could literally take down tanks with assault rifles? I saw it happen. Was a tank rolled by, five assault rifles. It was not funny. Okay, it was really That's funny. Awesome. <laughs> I think we should make the game work that way. Zelbis, he wants to punch a vehicle and make it detonate on impact. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, I know you would be. <laughs> I think, uh, just, just one thing on the small turrets, I think that one thing we need to consider is that Large turrets are for killing big things like vehicles, and their primary function should be AV to varying extents where, you know, the blaster is not great at killing infantry, but it can do it. It's, it's good at suppressive fire, where as the, the railgun is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, where it's awful at killing infantry, but, you know, it, it's quite good at, at vehicles. The small turrets, on the other hand, need to function as anti-infantry weapons to those, again, varying extents where the small blast needs to be the most proficient and the small rail needs to be the least proficient at killing it. But again, it still needs to be able to be used to kill infantry just not as easily as, say, a blaster could. So to say that the small rails should be bad at killing infantry I think is is not good. I think it, it should be the worst at killing infantry within the small turrets themselves but overall it should still be a viable anti-infantry weapon i can agree with that um i would the the way i think about it is uh like let's say you have a gun logi with uh, a proto rail and a proto turret whatever the rail of course is meant to take down vehicles so since it's running into vehicles more often it makes sense that its corresponding turret is also made to support it to you know help it engage vehicles at the same time it still needs to be able to take on infantry so that it can support the tank's flanks um, I like the damage of the small rail. I really do. But as I said, my biggest problem with it is, as they said earlier, the rate of fire, it's essentially a rail rifle. 
Um, it's far too efficient at that. Uh, I think the the rate of fire, the rate of fire reduction will help that. And I really don't want to see a situation where people are on their rail tanks and they're saying, "No, don't run the small rail. It may help with vehicles, but we're dead if you know infantry come up on us. Only use the blaster or only use the missile. That's not what I want." Right. Yeah, I, so, and you know, I think Iron Wolf, by the way, just made a he. I'm sitting here thinking about it. he made a really, really cogent comment, and it's one that I've I've always wondered about any discussion in terms of balancing weapon systems. What, by the way, whatever the weapon system is, um, like short of like something like grenades or something like that, it is it is inherently difficult to balance the math. And I think I think you just found this out, Ghost, is when you start calculating weapon skill. Because what you don't know is how much SP a guy has put into something or not uh, that gives you a baseline. Because that can change things quite dramatically, it, you know, when you start running those numbers too. So it, it's, it's I, I think I think Pokey's probably captured the, the meat of the discussion. And I think e- even with that, my, my concern is that I don't know, um, I don't know that the way that they're, they're approaching the rails in general are... Uh, that's solving what the issue is. I, I think that's at the at the core of it. That's where I'm where my head's at. Well, from um, I'll take a page from from CPM Zero, one of the former members on uh, Nova Knife. He basically has always stated this that when you're balanced for a game, especially like ours, you balance from the top down. You're talking competitive down. Basically, no top. You basically you max out every single skill. You make the most hypo- hypothetical max situation. And that's where we start balancing from. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I think we've heard Zatara like champion that quite a few times. I, d- I don't necessarily disagree with it as long as you're very um, cognizant of the effects on the lower tiers. As long as, it's, <laughs> as, long as there's, a, there's a natural progression to it. Hence the going down part. If you just balance at the top only, you're going to screw the rest of the game up. So you have to, for, once you get the top L balanced out, then you can start working your way down. The inherent danger in that, though, is making the bottom tier useless. That's true, uh, but but like I said, as long I think you, you got to have a baseline somewhere. Starting at the top pro- probably makes a lot of sense. Cause, you know, when you start looking at min maxing, it's just literally how you work the progressions is is where I think a lot of this. And and you know what, the interesting thing is, not a lot of other games have this kind of balancing discussions, mostly because they're not they don't have nearly the number of dynamics involved in doing something like balancing a single weapon system and in a weird way i think that's kind of a cool that's one of the things that attracts most of us to dust uh or eve for that matter games like that because it requires you to think on a lot of different levels and kind of look at things from different perspectives um you know for something as simple as like a you know an infantry rifle so um you know just broadly i would say that's pretty cool Hey, um, one quick thing I did want to touch touch on with you guys, and I, this is the thing that actually made me have my uh, my seriously lethal moment, uh, which, by the way, might be the, the episode title tonight. Um, it was when I heard Lether uh, going off on the uh, the core skills, and there was this discussion where it was like purely about you get the core skills only for the buff. I would argue that nobody mentioned the fact that if you don't skill into those, you can't do things like put armor plates and EHP modules on your suit. You can change the bonus all you want, but you're still going to skill into the, that shit because you're going to want to hang the shield modules and the armor modules on your suit. Not uh, necessarily. For example, I have level three regulators. 
I see no reason to go to Proto. I just use LP. I don't think the bonus is enough of enough uh, worth the SP to get it. So I just go and run mid-faction warfare. No, no, no. I'm with you. But but here, but hear me out. What they were saying was like, hey, why should you get a 25% bonus to something just because you put SP into it? Well, at least that's how I took it. One, you should get a bonus, or you should get a a you should get value for every level that you invest in something. Uh, which I think I've heard on the forums many times that people rage about is that SP command. only gives you unlocks like every other other level. I, I would be okay instead of giving you a flat 5% bonus to your raw HP of your suit. What if you gave like an effectiveness bonus only if you had like, instead of 25% more armor, you get you got the bonus when you actually put the module on or something like that. I'm, I'm even willing to do that, but like, I think there's a, a big hand wave over that whole. You're talking like, efficacy bonuses, aren't you? Yeah, per- perhaps, but so, I, actually, I actually like how they are now. I'm just saying based on how Pokey, I'm calling you out now, Pokey, how Pokey and Lether were describing the core skills uh, a couple shows ago. I, I took, I took great umbrage to that, to the, to the point that I thought it was a seriously lethal moment. <laughs> nice. that's great uh but uh to take that on the extreme side what i think you were saying then you would support something like this for example tier aside let's say that we only have like we don't have advanced basic or proto um armor plates we have one armor plate the t1 armor plate per se and that your skills instead of giving you access to the better versions, just say hey that version's better well so not- at at the level you would have it essentially be equivalent to the current proto plate but you would still be the same module per se on the extreme uh, side. I, yeah, I, I would say that that's probably that's probably a step further and, and definitely into the module tier side world. I, I had not gone that way, but I totally see your point on it. It'd be a great theory crafting discussion, by the way. Uh, I think I was looking at more along the lines of if you left the unlocks to the different tier, if you if you still had a tier system and you left the unlocks the way it were, where, where basically every level you're unlocking different flavors of of modules uh, or different types of modules. Uh, Move the they, variance to two and yeah, four instead I'm, of one, I'm, three, and five. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I think the point is, is it, it's not just about the unlock. You were getting a bonus in addition to the unlock was more of the point, point than just the raw HP bonus you were getting from the core skills. It was the ability to actually access the better modules, Yep. which, which far outstripped the, the advantage that you got from uh you know, the 5% bonus per level. So I just wanted to point that out that there's more ways to skin that cat. You're, you're actually getting something other than 5% HP per level that is actually pr- pr- technically probably more valuable, valuable uh, per SP block investment uh, than just that, that 5%. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, on a side note, skin a cat. Yeah, it's, it's an old phrase. Never heard that. <laughs> I have not heard yeah, that. Yeah, I have. He's, where, he's, where are you that's from? Old, that's really old school, though. Midwest. Okay, all right. You should get that. that in the Midwest. That's very. We American. have our own things. Does anyone else flip a bitch when they're driving a car? Oh yeah, yeah. Good to know so, that's around. Okay, Pokey. So I'm I'm waiting for you to to chime in and tell me where I'm where I'm seven ways of fucked up on this. Help me I, out. I don't, I don't think I don't think you're that wrong. I mean, I think that. I mean, I've been calling for uh, a bonus to every level of a skill for a very long time. I think that the one defining moment in Dust Drops your command. Just, no, no. It was the patch note where they said, we've removed the 2% per level 
to damage on weapons from the weaponry skill, and then just buffed all weapons by 10%. And I just, <laughs> I just smashed my face into the desk repeatedly and just said, no, that's the opposite of what you should be doing. Stop doing it. You're being bad. So, I mean, I'm, I'm totally for, you know, every, every SP you spend should give you something, um, you know, regardless of what it is. Even if it's a seemingly inconsequential bonus. I mean, that's, that's a big uh, new player experience thing. I've had new players come to me and say, you know, uh, I'm spending this SP, I, what do I get out of it? And I said, well, <laughs> you, you earn the right to spend more SP to unlock another skill, which may or may not give you some. So we, we need to get rid of that. I mean, the first thing you buy should give you something right out the door, because that's, that, that's, you know, player retention. Yeah. You feel like it's actually worth their time. Um, as for unlocking stuff, I'm more of a fan of, of having unlocks be in the lower end of a level five system skill, like you know, one through three, and then for people who want to optimize, you you got that bonus for every level, and levels four and five give you the bonus as well. Um, but you unlock your modules on one through three. And I like again, that idea a lot, actually. Now that I think yeah. about it. Yeah, and the thing is, you can even you can do that with this system with the, the standard advanced prototype if you want, but you can also do it with a Katira side where you've got different variants of of modules and whatnot. So like level one can unlock your basic armor plate and it's you know uh, a decent amount of armor and, and a small reduction of speed, and then level two unlocks you know it has more armor on it but more speed reduction, and then level three unlocks like the Pharaoh scale where it's less armor but no speed reduction. And, and you can unlock those quickly. I mean, that's how it is in EVE, typically. You unlock your ship variants. Like, when you train your Kaldari battleship, you get, you know, I think all the battleships within level 2, I think. Maybe 2 or 3, I forget. And then you can train to 4 and 5 to get the additional bonus if you want, but you unlock all your variants early on. So, again, as a new player, you go in there, and you're actually getting something with your SP, and it feels like you're getting something because you're getting the bonus as well as the unlocks quickly because levels 1 through 3 are pretty easy to get and then 4 and 5 at the grind, but you don't care about 4 and 5 until later once you've decided to specialize into something and then you really want to, you know, grind out every little last bit of advantage you can get. And you can do that because you already have your stuff. You have the means to actually be viable on the battlefield and gain SP at a decent rate. And then you can spend it to get that extra optimization, even though it's very SP, you know, intensive. So, I, again, I, I would like to see the, the bonuses for every level of every skill no matter what it is, I don't want to see any skills that say, well, this unlocks another skill, or this just unlocks modules. That's bad, because it makes certain levels pointless. Like, levels 2 and 4 are usually don't give you anything, or, you know, 4 or 5 give you nothing because you get everything by 3. So, bonus for every level, and try to push unlocks to the lower end of that level 5 scale. I'm going to keep complaining about Dropsuit Command, though, because that is just dumb. It is completely dumb. It, it used hey, dude, to give you something. I'm I am 100% on board with you that that there should be even like a 2% of something that you get every time you drop. Overall CPU, something. Levels 4 and 5 literally give you nothing. It, it used to be a reduction to profile, I think. The suit profile would drop by 2% it's not for level. now. It's a really expensive no, no, waste. Well, <laughs> actually, I would tell you the one that, that first struck me, you know, when I, I grasped the dust uh, skill tree very, very quickly because I'm very familiar with Eve and then... Uh, you know, sort of the fitting system and all that kind of good jazz. That, that all made like very, very, you know, ease of transition for me in terms of that. What I failed to get was the, so I'm going to skill into, I thought originally that frame suits worked like basic hulls in Eve. So like you skill up to five and frigates and then you get into your tech two stuff, your, you know, IE assault and lodgy and that kind of jazz. And I didn't catch until I had already sunk SP into level four of medium frames that you I got am so, nothing. So sorry for you. 
Yeah, like, I feel so sorry for you as well. They should at least be cheaper, if anything. Yeah, that's where I get rage at. Is that if you if you're gonna make me do that, what you what like the effectively the tech two suits, you you should get like a a frame bonus, and I'm okay with that being an SP thing because you get a bonus of something for that that's frame, and then you get an additional bonus when you start dragging SP into the you know the advanced suit model. At the bare minimum, they should make it so that even if you don't want to go like you know bonus route, at the bare minimum, the basic frame should just have more slots and more CPU at the at the cost of having you know no bonuses. That's it. Hey, guess what? You want a specialized suit? You're gonna have to sacrifice some fitting and you're gonna have to, have to sacrifice some slots, but it's more specialized. You can skill into the basic suit, have no specialization, and be weaker overall, but you have a bit more room to fit things. That's the way I've always thought it should be, but nope, they're useless and they're not even cheaper. I just did a quick check on e-skill system. All your tiered ships are now unlocked at level 1. Oh, there you go. What? Your tier 3 battleship even unlocks that battleship level 1. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking dust for a second. I was like, what? What? No, no. (laughs) So, like, for example, if you, like, in order to get into the different tech levels, you still have to max out a a hull. Correct. Yeah, so, but if you want to fly... Like any kind of Kaldari battleship there is, all you need is one skill point or like one skill level rather into Kaldari battleships and you, you've got access to all of them. Well, that's my thing is that you can't try out suits without, you know, significant investment in a lot of cases just because you, the, the unlocks are so high. Or, you know, I, I may get to this and realize, oh, I don't really want to go to level five with this, but it's too late. I'm already at four because I didn't realize that, you know, like you said, you the unlocks are, are goofy. And I just, I would love to see it pushed lower, like the EVE system, like you just said, where it's unlocked early on. Maybe not level one. I'm, I'm not sure that's that's details. But, you know, the concept being that you, you unlock all of the variations very early on. The one of the major problems I see with our current skill tree is that it was originally designed to have a lot more things added into it. For example, Tech Two suits. Don't they kind of have that? No, we're, we're technically still still Tech One. Yeah. Well, I th- I think that's semantics because effectively, the like the assault suit is a Tech Two suit. It's still considered Tech One from CCP's well, the original CCP point of view. Sure, but it works like a fucking tech tech to anything else I've ever seen in the CCP game. It that's what we see as players, but uh, I'm it I'm that's why that's why there's two missing levels in Dropship Command and a bunch of bunch of missing ones from the vehicle ones as well. Okay, but there's right, no reason to train HAB level that. one. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's the part that makes me totally nuts is the whole like uh, I'm not a vehicle guy, but. Like when they tier sided vehicles, there was a lot of good, but there was a lot of shit that just doesn't make sense anymore. Like, I, I can effectively effectively put literally zero SP into vehicles and do quite well, you know, in a pinch if I have to. Yeah, it's a little bit better with the reduction to the uh, the damage mods. That was a big issue before. Is the the thirty percent standard that damage glass mods can with rail. oh yeah with with no stacking penalty because someone thought that was a good idea. Um, <laughs> but they they fixed it a little bit. But yeah, it was tier aside done in a very very poor way. Yep. Now nah, I got you, brother. So I, I'm sitting here looking at the clock, and we're gonna. I, I think we'll probably start wrapping up. We've we've covered like a, a ton of ground tonight, guys. Uh, across a, a pretty broad area of topics unless anybody's got any uh like uh you know anything burning a hole in their pocket they want to put on the table um 
I think we're probably about at the point where we can go ahead and wrap up and, and tee up uh, if there's any special topics for uh, for next week. Is that okay, guys? I just want to complain that the Mimitar, all the Mimitar suits are getting an EHP buff, except the Min Scout. Yep, the Min Scout still has less base, base shields than the Amar Scout, because that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Well, you should tell CCPR Toddy about it. I did, in the thread. I went and I just said, what about my Scout? And I still haven't heard back. Hey, Ghost. He, yep. he usually responds when you actually point out wrong things directly. So for example, the so, MR Shield well, thing. Did you, did you guys catch that? Did you see what Iron Wolf did? did I, think, I think that was a jab. I think he just said if you had pointed out something that was like inaccurate, that Riptati would have probably responded to you. My bad. But anyway, Ghost, I was going to point out that the I think the amount of HP that you're running around with in a Ninja Scout is probably about right because the last time I checked... I don't think duct tape and denim is bulletproof. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> no, but reflective shielding is. <laughs> Today on Mythbusters. Yeah. Uh, Can we boy. see how many angry stares it takes to down a Mimitar scout? Let's try now. I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm going to have every scout in, in the world like swarming me over the next week, so that's okay. The... Uh, so with with that, we we will probably uh, we have a, we have a neat little discussion maybe the next go around on uh, on the the Mimitar. So by the way, I am actually glad that they are putting the the EHP buff on those guys. Um, I I do think that the men suits, other than the Lodgy, have really the assault some tweaks. Yeah, the men the the, the men assault is fantastic assault right now. I'm worried about an HP buff for it. The commando needs it. As I said, I've got all the Mimitar suits. The commando needs it bad because the assault outperforms it on a daily basis. The scout is just paper thin. It's insane how low health it gets. Um, the Lodgy's fine in my opinion. The heavy needs the extra shields. It really does. Mainly it's just the heavy frames because they're the little they're the little bastard children of sorts because they're kind of go against the men philosophy of being heavy tank suits that are just a little bit faster. Their slower speed doesn't make up for the health impact they take. Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on. I, I could tell I, I don't run a lot of uh men matar stuff in dust, but I can I, I very much see where you're coming from from that point of view. So uh, with that, guys, I, I think what we'll do is we can probably have a lot of like neat ideas for uh, future shows, but we can table some of that. Uh, maybe it'd be a, a good theory crafting show at some point where we kick some of these ideas around uh, and go full tinfoil on them. Um, so let's see. With that, I think we can probably start shout outs. And let's start with Ghost. Since you're the you're the guest slash pseudo regular that's on today, pseudo regular. I've been here three times, guys. Anyways, once again, same that, thing as usual. That, that's a trend. <laughs> three is technically a trend. It is. You're right. Now that I think about it. But uh, once again, shout out to my core. I love my core. Fatal Absolution rules. You guys are like a family. Um, Barbershop, the best scout channel ever. Uh, and Anime Empire, because who else am I going to talk anime to? Most people on the internet are crazy. Like anime people. Anime people scare me, which is weird considering I am one. You and Pokey should have your own channel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. And uh, Iron Wolf? I'd like to give a shout out to the Dust community for keeping things together and giving lots of feedback over to BPOs. CCP is really happy about that. I'd like to also give a shout out to CCP Rattati and CCP Logibro for allowing us on the CPM to work with them much more closely on these hotfixes. And shout out to you, you guys on Battle Master for letting me be on here. Awesome, brother. Uh, Pokey? 
Uh, I gotta give my shout out to Lodgy Bro. He turned my commando into a, a hot rod. The red color is just awesome. I can't get enough of it. So I love the commando yeah, colors. No. Much praise <laughs> to you, brother. It's uh, it's it's awesome. I'm I'm really glad you're able to to push that through and get that done. I think the commando community is is overjoyed. So you know, thank you. Um, and yeah, thanks to everyone in the show. It's it's great to see you every week. I've <laughs> I was always kind of uh, apprehensive if I'd like podcasting, but I've I've really grown to love it because uh, the great guests we have. So thanks for coming on. Cool. And Zell? Yeah, I'm gonna give my shout out to CCP Logi Bro, who does not get enough love and uh, is definitely uh, responsible for the uh, commando fixes there with the colors. Um, and uh, shout out to uh, my alliance, top men, my corp, abandoned privilege. Okay. Um, and for my shout outs, uh, I'm going to actually reach into the e-world uh, on this one. The Alliance tournament just wrapped up. And for those of you that, that don't play EVE, um, that's actually a, a pretty interesting thing. And it's something I really, really wish that they had been able to to bring into dust. It's basically uh, it's, it's a, a fairly high stakes uh, event uh, where all the alliances in, in EVE, anybody can enter in, uh, provided you have the IST to do it. Uh, and it's a CCP ran uh, tournament where you you come in and you put your best, basically small gang fleet together with some incredibly uh, elaborate and really well thought out strategies. Um, the theory crafting that goes on is just is phenomenal. Uh, it's they did a great production of it this year, and it's usually done live and in terms of the later rounds. And they've got some great commentators on. But uh, props to the Camel Empire uh, who took the Alliance tournament this year really surprised a lot of people. And, and if you know, Eve, like you're probably following this a little bit. And if you don't trust me, it's, it's a really, really cool example of um, how you can pull off esports right. Uh, I know a lot of people beef and, you know, they don't beef about how the Alliance tournament goes. They always think it just could be better. Uh, but the product they put out generally is really good. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and it can show you a lot of very intricate and neat things about how you, set things up in the game and play. So props to the Camel Empire for uh, taking it this year. And and that's actually one of my hopes that um, perhaps not if not in Dust, or, or although it'd be really cool if we could, but definitely in Legion, I would really like to see something like that be brought to the first-person shooter realm for CCP. They've tried a couple times in fits and starts, and they've um, you know outsourced, outsourced it to other people. But having a homegrown tournament, a homegrown esports style event in the first person shooter world of CCP, I think would be a fantastic thing. So, again, uh, props to the guys that ran the uh, the AT this year over at CCP. Great job announcing, guys. Uh, really, really appreciate the work on that one. And with that, uh, I think we can bring episode 19 of Biomass to a close. It's, again, really fun to be back, and it's always fun to be on here with everybody. It's a good conversation. So uh, for everybody, again, we live off your feedback. So uh, hit us up in Skype, Twitter, in-game, forum, email, dust mail, you name it. Uh, just ping us with something and let us know if you want more or less something, if you want more more different types of guests or whatever, or if you just want to be on the show yourself, um, come give us, you know, give us a shout, and we'll see what we can work out. So again... Uh, big props to the community, and again, and we really, really appreciate all the, uh, you know, the positive feedback and, and the negative feedback. We haven't got too much of that, but it's always fun to read. So, uh, with that, guys, we'll see you around and catch you next week.